Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We appreciate you tuning in, whether it's on the radio or by podcast. And I'm excited to be with you. And we're going to be studying uh, some of the book of Revelation today. I want to speak to you on the title of The Trend Toward a One World Government. Uh, this is a, uh, a Bible prophecy teaching that I brought a few weeks ago at uh, our church in Mount Vernon. And uh, if you enjoy Bible prophecy, I would encourage you to come out on Sunday nights. If you do not attend church on a Sunday night, or maybe your church does not have service on Sunday night, join us at 6 p.m. at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, because we're bringing a series on the foreshadows of the coming of Christ. And uh, this is one of those foreshadows I wanted to share with you today on the trend toward a one world government. I'm going to begin in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 12. The Bible says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now, without going into a lot of detail in that verse, that's referring to ten leaders in the end times who will rise up. They're not in power yet. They weren't in John's day, nor are they in our day. But they will receive power for a brief period of time with the beast that we know better as the Antichrist. And verse 13 says, These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast or unto the Antichrist. Now, just a few short years ago, we witnessed an uprising in some Middle Eastern nations. It was called the Arab Spring. It looked for a time like democracy was going to blossom among the Arab nations, and there was an air of freedom beginning to circulate around the globe. But just as quickly as it looked like it was coming into being, it went away. Today, democracy and freedom are not spreading around the world, uh, and rather, we are concerned about free and fair elections around the world, even here in the United States. Uh, today, more than 90% of people around the globe lived, uh, live under flawed forms of totalitarian governments and authoritarian regimes. Uh, democratic gains following the Cold War era in the 50s and 60s have been deteriorating annually, and the COVID-19 global pandemic sure expedited this deterioration of democracy and freedom around the world. We're going to look today at several trends that are bringing us closer to the one world government or one world empire that is referred to in Revelation 17 and verse 13, where again, it says these have one mind and give their power and strength into the beast or the Antichrist. He will lead a one world government in the tribulation period. Now, we're going to look, first of all, at trending toward the final world empire and the trend toward rule by power elites. This is something we see forming today. We have been seeing form, and it's going to continue. Now, the preamble to the United States Constitution, if you remember memorizing that maybe in grade school, it begins with three words, we the people. President Abraham Lincoln said, democracy is a rule of the people, for the people, and by the people. But today, the American public has little influence over the policies that government adopts. 
New policymaking influence is held by powerful business organizations, special interest groups, and a small number of affluent Americans. Politicians, many of them, not all, but many, have become beholden to money in order to finance their re-election campaigns and stay in power, with very little work being done for the people. Uh, financiers like Warren Buffett, George Soros, these men are billionaires who use their money And part of the way they use their money is to create social unrest, and that feeds the power machine of state and federal governments. They are funding uh, many movements. They are funding them from behind the scenes. You've heard of groups like Antifa and the the, uh, idea to defund the police. These movements are not just coming out of nowhere. They're being funded by people behind the scenes, and they are not creating less government action and intrusion. intrusion, intrusion rather, but they're creating more government intrusion. That's just one of the things we see, this trend toward rule by the power elites. And then we have the trend toward all or nothing politics. Now, in authoritarian regimes, party loyalty is more important than individual freedom. Or you could say state interest is more important than personal interest. Government decisions today are now made according to strict party lines and agendas rather than what is best for the people. So if you break party lines, you face a, ba- you face a backlash and not only a chance of losing power, but you lose uh, the opportunity to have much say at all and you risk being canceled by the culture, something that is called culture cancel. Now, let me give you an example of this. Back in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was confirmed by the U.S. Senate as a Supreme Court justice. The vote then was 96 to 3. That tells you 96 of the U.S. Senators confirmed Ruth Bader Ginsburg for the Supreme Court in 1993. In contrast, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed in 2018 by a vote of 50 to 48. That vote was strictly along party lines. His name was drugged through the mud. If you remember watching that, his personal character was called into question, his integrity, and all of those things. And so what has happened in the period from 1993 to 2018? Well, it has become an all-or-nothing politics, and so the, the wheels of progress have nearly ground to a halt in the U.S. government because everything is decided by strict party lines rather than what is best for the people. And then you have the trend toward greater government dependence. Now, rather than people making decisions for themselves and supporting themselves and raising children for themselves, the government now uh, is there to make those decisions for them. You have increasing government intrusion into the health care uh, decision of people uh, and all of these things into the educational system and in so many areas. Governments already control many areas of our lives here in the United States, the area of education and business and energy, environment and banking and so much more is regulated and controlled by the government. President Gerald Ford made this comment. He said, quote, a government big enough to give you everything you want is a government big enough to take from you everything you have? 
You see, greater dependency on government leads to greater bondage. That has always been the case throughout human history. And then you have the trend toward the tightening of the reins of power. Global authoritarianism is on the rise. You take the nation of China. In 2018, President Xi Jinping abolished term limits. That effectively made himself president for life in China. That same thing happened in Russia. Vladimir Putin uh, designed constitutional reform that effectively made him ruler for life in Russia. That same thing has happened in Turkey under President Erdogan, in Venezuela under President Maduro, and in North Korea under the Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. These things have happened in all these authoritarian or totalitarian types of government. The United States is falling into that same um, line. Uh, You have now many times where presidents try to circumvent Congress by instituting what is called executive orders. Let me give you an example of how much has changed. George Washington, the first president of the United States, was president for eight years. By the way, they wanted to elect him for a third term, and he did not want the presidency to become like a monarchy. So he said, no, I'm only going to run uh, and serve two terms. But in eight years, George Washington signed eight executive orders. That's basically one a year. Our current president, who has been in office for two years, has already signed 99 executive orders. So eight in eight years by George Washington, 99 in two years by President Joe Biden. And he's not alone in that. That same thing occurred under presidents before him. In this era, we now have executive orders being signed rather than things going through Congress. And again, part of that is Congress's fault because they can't seem to work together to cause there to be solutions for the American public. A major consequence of COVID-19 was the expansion of government control. Uh, For instance, the Center for American Progress said, With fears at an all-time high, people are looking to leaders to bring calm and order. Uh, a uh, someone who was in the presidential cabinet of President Obama said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And so these things are occurring uh, in our government system in America today. And this is worldwide. And then you have the trend towards silencing freedom of speech. Did you know that freedom of speech is what really makes democracy possible? It's one of the foundations of the freedoms we have in America. But for power to be total, you must remove personal opinion and the freedom of speech. That must be squelched. There must be absolute conformity of thought. Now, how has that come about in just a few short years? Well, you have social media censorship. And so if something is uh, not agreeable by the uh, people in power, those who are controlling the social media sites, well, you can be censored. You can be taken off. Uh, You have that also with mainstream media propaganda. You see, we we don't get straight news anymore. We get opinions and we get a lot of propaganda and it's hard to filter through all of that stuff. And then you have cancel culture. If you uh, say something that is not going along with the cultural ideals of the day, you risk being canceled by the culture. Now, that's nothing new. You know, we, we have new terms for it, but it's nothing new. Did you know that that was done to the early apostles uh, during the infancy of the church? In Acts chapter 4, you have the apostles who are uh, preaching and, and uh, speaking in the name of Jesus. And this, these particular apostles are Peter and John. 
And the Bible says that they were called in before the uh, Jewish religious leaders. And the Bible says in Acts 4.17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, threaten the apostles, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't represent him. And we're going to cancel you out of the culture. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So that was the order. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, you make your own mind on that own decision, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter and John said, Go ahead and cancel us, whatever you think is the right thing to do. But we can't help it. We know what Jesus has done. We know what we've seen. We know what we've heard and we can't help it. We just are going to keep teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. So cancel culture was going on in their day, just like it is today. Now, the fact is, is in the tribulation period under the power and authority of the coming Antichrist, that same thing will be in full force. There will, there will have to be full compliance in order to function in the tribulation period. We find that in Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says, And he, the false prophet, had power to give life unto the image of the beast, or the Antichrist, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. I personally believe that that image of the beast spoken of here is possibly some sort of AI or artificial intelligence. Whatever it is, it will have the ability to speak and it will have the ability to know if people are worshiping the image or not. Because if you don't worship, you'll be, you'll be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell. So this is an economic uh, situation as well. Save or accept he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, what I'm telling you is that what we see forming today is a foreshadow, is a foreshadow rather, of what is going to happen after Christ calls his church home, and then you have the tribulation period on the earth, and this will be in full force. We are trending toward that right now. Now, here's something else that I would tell you, and that is trust in God, not government. Now, we may be distressed and dismayed and discouraged about these trends toward one world government, but we know ultimately God is in control. We must keep that in mind. In fact, uh, Jesus uh, wanted that to stay in the mind of his disciples when they uh, were under one world government. They were under the authority of the Roman Empire. Uh, that was the world empire of the day, and they were under the Roman Caesars and, and had all that going on. And uh, I want you to see what Jesus tells them and some things that we see what the Bible says in these regards. One thing that we must continue to do as Christians is to obey government leadership. As much as we may disagree with the policies, it is God who has allowed the powers to be to be in authority. You know, you talk about someone who lived under pagan rule, and that was the prophet Daniel. Daniel spent the majority of his life as a Hebrew slave in a foreign land. He was under Babylonian leadership, and then later on Medo-Persia leadership. But here's what Daniel says in Daniel 2 and verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. 
and he changeth the times and the seasons. He, God, removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So Daniel says, listen, don't get too worked up. Obey government leadership because after all, it is God that sets up kings and he removes kings. Daniel was a model citizen, but he always obeyed God above government. When the government would contradict God's authority, Daniel said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Let me give you an example. Well, first of all, you have the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember when the king built the statue and he said, now everyone, when you hear the music, bow down to the image. And the three Hebrew boys to that time were model citizens, but they said, no, we can't bow down to that. And the king said, well, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And I'm paraphrasing, but they basically said, do whatever you think you need to do, but we're just not going to bend down. God will take care of us. And uh, of course, uh, the fourth man in the fire, I think that was a a, a Christophanes, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ with them in the fiery furnace. Um, So they were thrown in the furnace and yet God was with them. You have the same thing with Daniel himself. Uh, The decree went out that no one was to pray for 30 days. And the Bible says Daniel, as his practice always was, opened his window toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he prayed to God. Well, uh, the punishment was the lion's den, and they threw him in the lion's den, and God shut the mouths of the lions. So there were consequences for their decisions, and God happened to spare them in those situations. But other than that, if it did not contradict God's word, they were model citizens, and that's how we should be as well. In fact, Jesus never encouraged rebellion or revolution against government. He focused more on the heart of man. In fact, let me let me share a scripture with you on that, a couple of them. Mark chapter 12 and verse 13. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they want to trip him up on this, uh, this point of, do you obey God or government? And uh, I'm just going to begin in verse 13 where the Bible says, and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know thou art true and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Now they're building him up. We know that you're an honest man and you only obey God. So the question is, do we give tribute or tax to Caesar or do we not do that? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt you me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. That's who was on the coin. Jesus answering said unto them, Render or give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. They, had, they didn't know what to do with that because he said, You give to Caesar what belongs to him. Pay your taxes. Do your government duty. But just make sure that you are giving to God what belongs to him. Uh, Now, here's something else. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 13, the way that we should uh, respond to human government. Paul writes, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. He's put them there, allowed them to be there. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So when you go against government, you are going against God. And they that resist shall be uh, shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt uh, have praise of the same. For he, those who are in authority, is the minister of God to thee for good. 
Now you say, what if government is bad? Well, in that situation, if you have a government that is anti-God, says you can't pray, can't go to church, can't read your Bible, well, you have to obey God rather than men. There are consequences for that. But in a good type of leadership, that man would be, or, or woman, whatever the case is there, that they would be the minister of God, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. In other words, as a believer, we are representing Christ, and because of that, we should be model citizens. For for this cause, pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers. And there again, you have that phrase, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We should honor those in authority. We should do our civic duties. We should do all of those things and be model citizens. Jesus focused much more on the heart and on the gospel than he did on God. Government. Here's something else to realize, and that is we are called to pray for government leadership. You say, well, I don't want to pray for them. They're Republican or they're Democrat. That makes no difference. As Christians, we're called to pray for those in authority. Listen here now to what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I exhort or encourage, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority. That would be president, governor, senator, uh, whomever, mayor, whomever is in a position of authority. You pray for them that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. We are called to pray for our leaders. doesn't matter what party they are. Uh, We should pray for them to Uh, be saved. We should pray for them to seek God's wisdom. We should pray for them to uh, make right decisions for the nation. Those are things we should pray for. In fact, we're going to be doing that in uh, a few weeks here. Uh, We are putting together a pre-election prayer rally on Sunday night, November the 6th. It will be held at 6 p.m. on the north lawn of the Jefferson County Courthouse. We're calling all Christians to come out. This is not a political gathering. We ask folks to not even bring any political signs or T-shirts or anything like that. This is a prayer rally for the upcoming midterm election, that God's will will be done, that our nation will uh, turn to God, that we'll repent of our sin. And I want to invite you to come to that November the 6th. I'll remind you as we lead up to that on a Sunday night, 6 p.m., and we won't be there long. I have other uh, pastors who are going to be joining me who will be reading the scripture and praying. But I think it's important that we do that leading up to the election and that God's will is done and and pray for our leaders that are currently in positions of power. You see, the apostles had a powerful and positive impact everywhere they went. They turned the world upside down and the church grew even as the Roman government repressed them and persecuted them. They weren't concerned with the politics of the day. They wanted to share the gospel. I'm afraid too many Christians today get caught up in the politics rather than sharing the gospel. I believe if we would get as passionate about the gospel as we do about the person we're voting for, we could really change the world. You see, our focus, our commission is not to lead a political force. It is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. If we're doing that, God will bless because it's the gospel only, not politics, 
not government. It is God. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that changes the heart of man. And that is our great commission. Well, I hope the message has been a help to you and and, uh, an encouragement to you. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our government. Be a model Christian citizen and obey God uh, no matter what. Always obey what God's word says, all right? Let God be true and every man a liar. If we do that, God will bless us and uh, God will uh, see to it that he is with us. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's always a joy to be with you. I appreciate all those who listen to the radio broadcast, to the podcast. You can download this and listen to it at your convenience at any of your uh, podcast stores. And then I also appreciate those who support us financially. Some have been supporting us through the podcast. They listen to the podcast and they are supporting us and uh, all of that helps to fund our uh, radio ministry and our podcast ministry. These things cost money to get the gospel out, and uh, all of it goes directly to that, and I thank you ahead of time. And if if you want to support us, uh, I ask you to consider that. You can listen to the announcer at the end of the program. He'll tell you how you can do it, but I want to thank you for that because it really helps us, and uh, it means a lot to us, and, and it's an encouragement. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.